I'm Luke Simmons. And I'm Seth Trout. Welcome to King Cole. All right, Seth, Happy New Year. Happy New Year 2024. Wow. That really feels like the future. It, it's just right now. It's right now. Like, uh, Do we have flying cars yet? I feel like when I envisioned 2024, there was definitely flying cars. You know, I don't know if I ever envisioned flying cars. <laughs> well, I'm sure they'll be here soon. Got plenty yeah, of Those of us cars. of a certain age who grew up on the Jetsons, you don't, you probably, you're a little young for that. But those of us that grew up on the Jetsons, we definitely imagined flying cars. What year was the Jetsons supposedly set in? Uh, that's a good question. I'm not really sure. Let me ask. I don't know. Let me ask Google. It's funny. I mean, we grew up on the Flintstones, who <laughs> were riding dinosaurs, <laughs> and also the Jetsons. Uh, and so, I guess for whatever reason, uh, we imagined we weren't going back to the uh, dinosaur cars, the ones you had to pedal. We sort of imagined that there would be some flight some point in our future. So, yeah. Well, someone can tell us when the Jetsons supposed to happen. Anyway, it's probably like 2010 or something like that. Anyway, so uh, we digress, but uh, what are we talking about? New year, new me. Yeah. It's a new year. It's great. It's a new year to start getting your life in order. How do we do that? Why do we do that? Where's the cost benefit of that? Like habits and life hacks are like the new cool thing all the time. Sure. Tips for life. They're doing cold plunges or microdosing caffeine or other substances. People are into... uh, tweaking little things that they hopefully get big return on. Yeah, so sure. I, I think a lot of the new year, you think about people always end up some type of fitness goal, some type of financial goal, some type of faith goal, the big three F's. Yeah. You know, and maybe so family goals, family goals, yeah. uh, freedom. Goal. <laughs> <laughs> what other F can we say? Um, and, and so I think it's, it's worth to, I don't think that's a bad practice. Yeah. Like I think the New Year's resolutions get a bad rap, and it's like by February, second week of February, is like who quit their New Year's resolutions? Or, and yeah. and I think uh, rather than shaming people for trying and failing, I think it'd be great to encourage people to try. Like I think about habits and disciplines, uh, like experiments, yeah. and I think if they're done playfully and not like very like anal serious mm-hmm. you can be trying to go like hey what's what's the benefit of doing this type of discipline this type of habit and it's worth experimenting with to see what was the fruit of that investment what was the return that i got sure and sometimes you find and discover new rhythms and new habits that lead to you doing better and it ends the habit ends up reinforcing itself and it goes from being a discipline to being a habit to being a routine yeah routine assuming it's kind of a comfortable pace at first it's discipline, but then it kind of hardens and becomes normal and then it becomes routine. And so one of the goals in these like disciplines is that they become routines and that they keep having returns on investment. And so uh, each year, especially because like I I tend to eat and, and drink more during the holidays, you know, because it's like October is my birthday and Taylor's birthday. Okay. And then first week of November is Jay's birthday uh, and then it's our anniversary, and then it's Thanksgiving, and then it's Christmas parties. And so I always try to, like, I probably eat the cleanest diet in January of the rest of the year. Sure. And that's not because I'm trying to, like, eat my whole life like it's January, but January's a little bit. It's a good reset. It's a reset on, yeah. on the diet. Um, well, that's some of the, I mean, someone asked me uh, recently, like, hey, are you a New Year's resolutions person? And it's like, 
you know, no, I'm really not. I mean, there's probably a point at which I was. And yet for, I know for Molly and I, like we really get into the new year. Like it's a, it feels like a reset. We certainly are thinking about what's this year going to look like? What, what's our rhythm going to be? What are our routines going to be? I mean, there's, there's definitely a kind of auditing of like, what are we doing? And so I, I feel like even if someone's not like a new year's resolution goals person, you know, this is still a pretty important conversation. Yeah. Maybe it'd be best to get rid of the idea of resolutions, new year's resolutions. Cause that makes it sound like you're pre-committing that I'm going to do this for a little while and stop. Yeah. Rather, I think it's worth doing a reset. It's worth experimenting with habits and disciplines and saying, maybe it'll stick. Maybe it won't. If it doesn't stick, I'm not going to think I'm a huge loser. And if it does stick, maybe it'll make so less shamey and more experimenty, I think would be one of the goals here. And so there are plenty of great resources out there on like physical and dietary uh, ad- advice type things. Like we, mm-hmm. we even do a class here on the finances, you know, because um, people want to get their finances in order this year. I think it's a great thing to do. Um, people should do that. Um, but we think about like, what's the faith side of that? Uh, I know a lot, like w- this time of year, I get more requests for, hey, what's a good Bible reading plan? Or, hey, what's a good, hey, what's a good? Mm-hmm. Because if you, the internet's full of good advice on finance and fitness, but not a lot of, yeah. it's full of bad advice on faith mostly. And so, sure. so I, rather than trying to re-say much stuff on like, uh, finances and faith, I figured it'd be good for us to hone in on uh, how can this year be a time when we cultivate Im- intimacy with Christ that leads to me being more like Christ. Hmm. Yeah. Because that feels like the main return I want on anything in my life. Yeah. That, that's that's Christian faithfulness. That's Are people going to experience me in December of 2024 as more like Jesus than they experienced me in January of 2024? Yeah, that's Cause, great. Because that's the most important trajectory, I think, for us to think through and to to pray through and give attention to. And I think there are many of us who are like the spreadsheet types, planners, who just crush financial goals, who like know what that is. You know, it's not necessarily me, but I know those people. Yep. And it's like, and, and I also know other people who are like crush fitness goals. Mostly they're people under 30 without kids. But they're, <laughs> but they're, but there's like a, an investment and a, and a direction and a, and I, and I think those things are fine. But the weird thing about faith goals is like, how do you know if you crushed it or not? And can you tell anybody if you did? Cause that feels like good violate, <laughs> sure. that violate the whole thing. You know, like I got so much more humble this year, you know, th- here's my secret to success by my, yeah. by my six week class on how to be more humble. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> so you don't see a lot of people advertising sure. a, a plan for humility and congruence with the spirit of Christ. And so, I thought it'd be good for us to have a conversation talking about the disciplines and the spiritual disciplines and what they might look in our life and how do you engage them in such a way that it's not like trying to prove something to yourself or God, but that's trying to uh, discover rhythms and routines that actually build you over time. And how do you walk with more freedom and levity with Christ uh, as we engage in those ways? Yeah, that sounds great. I mean, I want to become more like Jesus and... (laughs) You know, and like you said, I I don't know how exactly to measure that all the time, year over year. Like, I sort of wish we had some sort of scanner, you know, that, like, everyone could walk under on their way into church. You know, it would scan their, like, spiritual temperature and then scan it on the way out. And we could measure, like, oh, there was a two-degree increase this week, you know. Yeah. But uh, it doesn't really work like that. Um, and yet, you know, I mean, what comes to mind to me a lot of this conversation is, is uh, farming. Yeah right? And agriculture. And it's like, are you, are you d- consistently sowing and fertilizing and weeding and doing the things that are, 
are going to potentially lead to a crop. And then the Lord, you know, the Lord will figure out the rest. Like he'll, he'll provide the sun or he'll provide the rain, but like, are you doing the consistently showing up? And, and even in the other things, I mean, I feel like so much of, uh, as, as you get older, a lot of it is just, did you show up? <laughs> yeah. You know, did you keep showing up, keep doing it? So, but yeah, let's, let's talk about it. Yeah. So, uh, Dallas Willard has, uh, this kind of two big boxes in which he puts spiritual disciplines. Uh, the, he calls them the disciplines of abstinence, which is not doing something, the disciplines of engagement, which is doing something. And I think that those are those two big buckets are a helpful way to think through these spiritual disciplines. Um, Adele Calhoun has a book called Spiritual Disciplines Handbook. That's really good, too, if you're a reader and want to check out that. Those would be kind of the two uh, resources that I found to be most helpful. But the, So the, where does Willard talk about that? Uh, the Spirit of the Disciplines. Okay. That's uh, his classic book. Yeah. yeah. It's it's kind of heavy lifting. Like it he was a philosophy professor at USC. So just buckle up if you want to do that. Adele Calhoun's book's more accessible and helpful, I think. Yeah. If you're looking for just a place to begin to experiment. Have in. you engaged with Donald Whitney's book at all? I've never even heard that. You've never heard of Donald Whitney? Oh, he has no. a I think a a very helpful book about spiritual disciplines. Mm. Um I don't know how he groups it in terms of the abstinence and engagement. I think they're more on the engagement side. Like it you know, if you were looking for tools on Bible reading or prayer or silence or solitude or fasting or those sorts of things, it, mm. he catalogs that. And I think it's at a, a bit more of a popular level than Willard would be. Mm. Yeah, Richard Foster, Celebration Discipline is good as well. But I haven't heard of Whitney, so. Uh-uh. Wow, I can't believe I knew and read a book you've never even heard of. Wow. You Go know, me. You know, Luke, I can't believe it. Sign up for my six-week <laughs> class on the one book I know that Seth doesn't. Yeah, so discipline of abstinence, uh, I think when most people think of spiritual disciplines, they think about engagement. Uh, and so I think as our world gets busier and noisier, uh, the disciplines of abstinence are probably increasingly important, more so than they ever were. And so uh, those are kind of go like this. So there's solitude, silence, simplicity, and fasting are the big four Okay, on disciplines of abstinence. So... Solitude is uh, all about being free from the influence of other people's minds, right? No inputs. So um, it's about being forced to deal with your own thoughts, think your thoughts, feel your feelings uh, by yourself. So in that sense, if someone is walking by themselves right now listening to this podcast... They might be alone, but they're not experiencing solitude. Yes, because they're hearing our voices and our minds, and that's a valuable thing. It's not a bad thing, by all means. I hope you're enjoying your walk, if that's you. But, uh, but we'd say like, or Willard would say, I guess that's not solitude. Yeah, and this like one of the trends I see happening all the time now, that especially with Gen Zers and Millennials, is like this earpods in all the time thing. I see kids with earpods in at dinner. I see kids walk, like everyone in the gym has noise going on. Like the ability to like be quiet in your own head feels like a lost art. Mm. And if you are uh, constantly being bombarded with music or podcasts or videos or sounds, and then to have to like be by yourself with yourself and your thoughts, it will, it will be dissonant and excruciating. Uh, but this discipline is about purposely withdrawing from busyness to spend quiet time with yourself. And I think it's, um, Willard would say that you can't really have meaningful self-awareness or self-knowledge if you're not purposefully engaging solitude somehow. Hmm. 
And so that's solitude. So that practice can look like a variety of things. And solitude is kind of hard to differentiate from silence. Silence is more about uh, prayer, like being quiet with God. Solitude is more about trying to be quiet with yourself Mm. is how I distinguish those two things. Like even when I'm trying to practice solitude, it's not about praying. It's about how am I thinking? What am I thinking? How am I doing? What am I doing? What are my thoughts? What are my feelings? So it's like self-inventory quietness of head. It's not trying to empty the head. That'd be like Buddhism, Eastern stuff, but it's just trying to sort it out. Sort it out. So solitude and silence can look like a variety of things, Um, like 20 minutes in the morning, eyes closed, staring at the wall. Um, It can look like journaling. It can look like uh, going on silent walks with no headphones. It can look like leaving your phone at home, going on a walk. It can look like driving without any noise coming out but it's just the meaningful pursuit of no inputs. And if it's no inputs where you're trying to like make sense of yourself, I'd call it solitude. If it's no inputs where you're trying to connect with the Lord, I'd call it silence or like being with God. So those two uh, are pretty significant. I think um, having at least uh, 15 minutes a day of solitude and silence is probably pretty important. Ideally first thing in the morning or right before bed where you're just trying to get out of the digital swirl of information bombarding you and be present in the moment you're in. It's funny. I actually, I mean, I'm all for whenever you do it. I mean, it's like, you know, the best plan is the one that you'll do. So, yes. um, but I find for me, I'm increasingly needing those things like in the middle of the day. Yeah. And, uh, you know, having, you know, especially like in the afternoon, having some moments to let the dust settle. Like that's the, right. We talk about that all the time. Like there's a bunch of chaos going on. It's like, well, once the dust settles, we'll sort out blah, blah, blah. That's really what you're doing is you're just giving a chance for the dust in your heart and mind and senses to settle. Yeah. And, and that's kind of like, uh, there are times when uh, we've been facing a big leadership challenge and I'll kind of think like what Luke, what needs to happen is Luke needs to go on a, on a hike and then he'll come back and <laughs> we'll, we'll know what to do next. You know, not cause you're going to go out and get struck by lightning on your walk and bring down the 10 commit, but there is like a, there's something about getting away from the fray, getting above it and away from it sure. um, is centering and, and connecting. And so uh, a number of folks on our staff, I see them practicing walks on a regular basis mm-hmm. Like you do two or three. Yeah, we have these windows in our office and, and there's this kind of dirt path that goes around and you can see people yeah. walking. Yeah, and it's you have two or three heavy, fast meetings, whether like spiritually heavy or organizationally heavy, and you have another one coming up and it's like, man, I got to get my head right. I need 20 minutes to just, uh, you know, I think about like the command that Jesus gives, like uh, consider the birds. Right. You know, uh, and just to go look at the birds. And to be present sure. to creation, that's a form of um, silence, form of solitude, is to be present to creation, to be separate from uh, the other humans. So solitude sounds a big deal. Uh, third one uh, in this category, I'd say, is simplicity. This actually isn't a Willard one, um, but I think it's historically understood. Hmm. The practice of simplicity, this is about not doing something good that you could have done. Hmm. So, Or not having some things you could have had. Yes. Yeah, I... Instead of getting the new iPhone, I will not get the new iPhone. Instead of uh, having two of my kids in sports, I will have one of my kids in sports. Instead of uh, signing up for two classes, I'll sign up for one. Or instead of signing up for one class, I'll take zero. Instead of, 
having plans five nights a week, I'm going to put boundaries and have plans two nights a week. You know, yeah, this is, sure. it's about doing. So having a bunch of clothes I don't wear, I'll have only clothes I wear. Yeah. I'm, I'm every time I buy something, I got to get rid of two things. You know, that, that's, this is about the having and doing less to create margin in your life. It's the spiritual practice of simplicity. Yeah. And, uh, instead of trying to maintain 12 close friendships and being disappointed in all of them, I'm going to maintain two close friendships and hopefully right. reap, reap the benefits. So, yeah. so this is about narrowing the scope, uh, reining in the excess, um, the inertia of society is buy, 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 do, do, do. And I'm going to not buy, not buy, not buy, not do, not do, mm-hmm. not do. Yeah. And uh, I remember one of the guys on our staff, his kid got invited to like some special thing that would have meant four nights a week instead of two nights a week for the sports team. And they said no. And it was like mind blowing. <laughs> what do you mean? Right. It's like, well, that doesn't work for our family rhythm. That'd be too much. Yeah. And so that's a practice of simplicity is putting limits on things, keeping things where they ought to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, saying no to good. It's not, this isn't about not sinning. Like this is a, so you're not saying no to bad things. That's just called being a Christian. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's repentance. It's, you're mostly saying no to good things for the sake of a pace of life that allows for margin and connection with uh, most meaningful people, especially yeah. God. So that's, I, I heard an idea that I, I want to try this year is uh, the idea is you go in your closet, you know, and you hang up all your shirts uh, on the hook backwards, right? Where the hook, you know, n- normally for me, the hook is facing away from me. In this case, you'd have it face toward you. And anytime you wear the shirt, when you hang it back up, you flip the hanger around. And that way, over the course of time, you get to see, you know, you know, really even over the course of a year or six months or whatever, here's the shirts I have not worn. <laughs> like, because the, the hanger is still facing that direction. And at the end of the year, if you go, I haven't worn it in a whole year, then then get rid of it, right? And be simple. So Don't, don't I, use it, you I lose like, it. That's kind of a, that's a cool idea. I want to try that. Yeah, and we underestimate how much clutter actually is bad for our hearts. Yeah. Like, we think it's just bad for our calendars, but it's actually bad for our hearts to... Uh, live a hurried life, uh, a rushed pace of life is is not good. Right? So we want to be able to have full lives without having busy lives. Yeah. Uh, we wear busyness like a badge of honor. It makes us feel important. Uh, even if you're extremely busy, you basically cannot do silence and solitude. So it encroaches on our prayer time, yeah. on our capacity to be with God. So you go, fourth discipline of abstinence is fasting. Uh, most basically this means not eating, but there's varieties of fasts. Uh, you can do technology fasts. First uh, Corinthians 7 talks about like a sexual intimacy fast uh, with your spouse, uh, but almost always it's referring to food, mm-hmm. not eating. This is not dietary intermittent fasting. This isn't a, uh, uh, I think. Which is fine to do. Like, it's totally fine to do. Go ahead. But don't take the Lord's name in vain and call it, I'm doing a fast, but really what you want to do is lose weight or yeah. like, don't uh, over-spiritualize your dietary goals or fitness goals. Mm-hmm. I think that can be a huge problem. Uh, so fasting usually looks like deciding to not eat or drink certain things for a certain amount of time. Uh, over my sabbatical last year, I set out to do a five-day silence and solitude fast. It turned into a three-day one because... For me, actually, the silence and solitude extended was harder than the not food thing. Mm. I felt like it's pretty tough that first 36 hours, but after that, your stomach kind of like settles in and 
the uh, you're not clamoring as much. Um, but I feel like you're trying to increase increase your appetite for God, increase your mindfulness towards the Lord, be hyper aware of your finitude, like to truly to really try to teach yourself to actually believe that man does not live by bread alone. Hmm. That's what the fast is. Is I in my head believe man does not live by bread alone. But if I go four hours without eating, I get really fussy <laughs> and I immediately start believing man lives by bread alone. Yeah. And so uh, we fast like Christ modeled. So these disciplines of absence are really like how Christ begins his whole ministry. Mm. Like the, yeah, f- that's true. the 40 days in the wilderness, like when he's thinking about getting supercharged to go and do the, let me show you the kingdom stuff. He does this extended serious season of the disciplines of abstinence, mm. which is worth noting for us. Um, he doesn't once in three years for <laughs> for 40 days, very seriously. Yeah, um, He withdraws from people and that kind of solid, sounds solitude thing to pray. He does that there. But you think about if the Christ needed or chose to practice this, there's something there he's modeling for us that we ought to do. So so real practically on the fasting, Seth, um, you know, <laughs> we have this phrase. I, I think I've, you've heard me talk about it before uh, in my wife's family. We call it bushing it. Right, she's her maiden name's Molly Bush, and uh, her and her siblings have this tendency of like, I mean, the, the best example would be like, you know, I feel like I'm a little out of shape. I'm going to sign up for an Ironman, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. like whatever the most extreme. Um, so if people want to get started with uh, those things. Do you recommend like, all right, go for the 40 days, and if you only make it 17, then great. Or do you recommend more like, no, just skip a meal, or like, what's a better I mean, what's a good way to get into that stuff? I think probably phase one would be like skip lunch and pray. Pray for your lunch break. Skip lunch, pray for your lunch break, go to do dinner. Like I think that's the easiest way to start. Uh, that is significant. That a little awkward. I think it depends on like your household rhythms too. Like one of the things Jesus warns us about is like not to fast in such a way that we're like trying to be seen as fasting. Mm-hmm. But like don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing type vibe. And so depending on your family season, it can be more difficult to do that. Like one of the goals, um, so we'll get to the next one discipline of abstinence is secrecy, which Mm. is doing a holy thing and not telling anybody. Yeah, This isn't like sinning and not confessing it. That's the wrong secrecy. But the holy secrecy is serve a homeless person, go to breakfast with them, and tell nobody. Yeah. You know, uh, this is, uh, you know, mow your neighbor's lawn. And don't take credit for it. Like it's that's a in the in a PR branding world, uh, do the opposite of that. Yeah, which is don't use any holiness mm. for personal attention. So that's discipline of uh, secrecy. Uh, and I think fasting and secrecy go hand in hand. Like there are times when it's like, "Hey, I'm fasting. Please pray for me as I pray." I've asked people to do that before. Yeah. Other times when it's like, if you have five kids at home and you're sitting at the dinner table, like, "Daddy's not eating because." He's fasting and you're there being grumpy because you're hungry the whole time. It's kind of like, <laughs> yeah. if I can't do it with like warmness and a smile on my face, yeah. if I'm losing congruence with the Holy Spirit, it's not doing what it's supposed to do. Sure. And so, yep. so I think skipping lunch, praying, I personally feel like a 40 hour fast. Uh, there's like some diminishing marginal return for me after that, hmm. which is kind of like uh, you skip a day and then eat dinner the next day. Uh, that's felt, I feel like that's been like a pretty meaningful reset for me that I try to do like once a year, at least usually like once a semester. Okay. 
uh, I think there's the types of people who will do a seven day fast. Uh, remember, I think Josh Watt before he planted the church, North Mountain, did a seven day fast, praying through that, wrestling through that, mm-hmm. working through that. So I think it's worth fasting before you do something. Like mm-hmm. Jesus Christ fasts before he begins his public ministry. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did periods like a lot of people fasted and prayed before we opened the building of at, at the church. So I think uh, periods of fasting and praying before you do something significant, mm-hmm. um, fasting and praying before you get baptized, fasting and praying for other people before they get baptized, like yeah. those are historical fasts. And we should say that none of this is meant to be penance or making up for sin. I remember one of my first exposures to the idea of fasting was this uh, friend of mine in high school who, you know, she had just slept with her boyfriend and was like, I'm fasting because I need to make up for that. Yeah, this is not atonement. Yeah, this is like, well, okay. (laughs) Like, I'm glad you're convicted by that. I also don't think that's how it works. Yeah. And, uh, you know, on, on the other hand, if you go like, hey, you know what? There are some spiritual strongholds in my life, and there's some stuff that, like, I'm having a hard time shaking, and I think this could be a proactive way to experience God. Like, well, great, go for it, you know. But if it's penance, if it's atonement, if it's I got to make up for this, then you're, you're you know, no, you need to repent. You need to trust in Christ. Yeah, I think the first time I heard about fasting was um, one of my Roman Catholic buddies in high school was was fasting from pornography for Lent. <laughs> okay. And I remember thinking, like, I don't know about how Roman Catholicism works, but I think you're doing it wrong. <laughs> we don't fast from sinning. We repent from sinning and right. try not to do it ever, you yeah, know? Sure. Not like... So fasting is, on purpose, a foregoing a good thing so you can try to cling to the greatest thing, the yeah. ultimate thing, yeah, which yeah. is God. Yeah. And so you should give up something good that you're excited to go back to. So that's why you don't give up sin as fasting. (laughs) Um, And none of this is about earning any of God's favor of approval. It's about resting in it and clinging to him. This is why I think it's important to keep this like semi-playful or experimental. Yeah. Because they're trying, like it's just like what you and Molly do to cultivate intimacy in your marriage, like rhythms, routines, habits, date nights is going to be different than Taylor and I. Like, so also your relationship with the Lord is going to be slightly different than my relationship with the Lord. And so uh, it's important to uh, keep the space of those different things. Yeah. So we've got the the disciplines of abstinence, which, again, were silence, uh, solitude, simplicity, simplicity, fasting. And secrecy. Secrecy. we got to look up a synonym for fasting that starts with the letter S. Starving. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. there you go. Uh, Okay, so that's, that's the abstinence side. Was there more there? No, that's it. And then the engagement side. Uh, this is one of the things, like, I remember only hearing about the disciplines of abstinence as spiritual disciplines, like it's fasting and solitude. Uh, and it's helpful to think about the disciplines of engagement as a spiritual disciplines as well, that these are practices and habits we're doing that are forming us. And these ones are probably less, um, like, uh, I'm going to say, like, risky as far as people getting fussy and weird about it. Yeah. Uh, so like, um, and there are things I think you should probably do all the time. I have a hard time saying that people should fast all the time. Yeah. But I do think people should like, so the first one on engagement, discipline of engagement is service. Mm. Like serve other people. Yeah. Now the like exact structure of that changes season to season. Sure. Uh, but I think that that's something that 
that's like faithful Jesus. If you're not serving people, you don't kind of just, so like that, this like caring responsibility in church, uh, the metaphor of washing feet applies. So I talk to some folks about serving in church and I say, generally, most of the time you should find a way to serve that uses your gifts, talents, and passions. But sometimes you should find a way to serve so that you just learn the discipline of service. Yeah, sure. And so you're not passionate about kids. I think probably for most of your life, you probably shouldn't serve in kids ministry. But there are seasons where you're going like, I am going to hold babies because I want to grow as a servant of the Lord. And it's yeah. like there's, a, there's... Well, when we talk about our Ironwood strategy, you know, one of the things there is we serve like crazy. And, if you know, if you go on our website and you read the description of that, you know, part of what you see is that we're saying we, we use our gifts and our grit. Yes. To serve, right? Because there's times you go, oh, man, I get to serve in the ways that really fit with my giftedness. Other times it's like, no, but I can be gritty about it. What's interesting in this to me, Seth, is that, like, on one hand, service should just be a way of life, but but you're actually talking about it as a discipline, which seems to be saying there's a kind of choice to make here if you're practicing a discipline of serving. Um, Yes. How do you practice a discipline of serving as a way of becoming a person who just instinctively serves? Yeah, there's one thing about having like a heart of service where you have a disposition and instinct to serve. It's another thing to carry formal responsibility where if I don't show up and do it, somebody's going to be disappointed. So it, it actually like creates layers of accountability. It is, I'm serving in such a way that other people are depending on me or dependent on me. Um, it's a It's a point where you're going, I wouldn't wake up every morning and decide to do this, but because I pre-decided to do this, I'm going to do it. Yeah. And so that's the discipline of service is it's serving not just because other people need to be served, but it's serving because my heart needs to serve. Like I need to serve for my growth that if I want to follow the suffering servant, then I need to serve uh, as a way of life. And sometimes um, way of life serving, like keeping the options open uh, can be good, but actually most of the time, like it's if you just went to the gym when you felt like it, yeah. versus you go to the gym as a way of life, like one of those is more likely to make a healthy person versus a less healthy person. Yeah, definitely. Similar. So it's serving as a discipline is committed, calendared, responsible, showing up and doing it. So number two is uh, what, what Willard called celebration, which I would also call uh, gathering. This is the engaging in worship, like the celebration of, of the death and resurrection of Jesus. This is most basically the practice of the Lord's Supper. Mm. This is, uh, in 21st century terms, this is going to church every week. Okay. Uh, Willard calls it discipline of celebration. I call it discipline of get your butt to church. <laughs> Worship. <laughs> yeah. Feasting Cel- on the Lord. Yeah, celebrating the Lord's Supper is yeah. the idea. It's, just, it's We're celebrating the Lord's Supper. Um, and this is the habit of gathering together on the first day of the week, like they did in Acts 2, Break bread and sing praises of the Lord. And break bread there being take the Lord's Supper. And this is sitting under preaching. This is uh, the connecting with people in the pews. This is the singing loud for all to hear. Uh, addressing one another in songs and spiritual songs. Uh, but this is the go to church spiritual discipline. And uh, I it was like, this is like one of the last ones that I actually thought was a spiritual discipline. I thought it was just something Christians do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so in the book of Hebrews, it says, don't neglect gathering together. So some people go to church because they uh, there's a, a command to not neglect the assembly, uh, but I think that and I think that's a good 
thing to do. Uh, but I think more than that, it's going, I go to church because I need to go to church. Yeah. Because nowhere else in the world are they trying to cultivate my faith and affection for Christ besides the local church um, in a substantive, proactive, considerate way. And so that's number two. Well, I, I talked to the guy recently who I would describe as being in a multi-year process of accelerated spiritual growth from best as I can tell. And I think what he would say. And one of the things he specifically told me is he said um, a big part of that was just the decision of I go to church every week and our family goes to church every week. Like we don't really decide every day, will our kids go to school? They just, no, they go to school. You know, we don't really decide every day, are we going to eat? It's like, no, we eat, you know, and he said the same thing. I just decided we're going to church. Like we just go to church all the time, every week. Uh, right. If someone's sick, right. I mean, but like the default setting, and I think that's actually a really interesting way to think about a lot of these things is what's the default setting is the default setting, nothing. And you might opt into church or is the default setting church and you've have a good reason. So you might not be there. Um, and so this was really, a, a, you know, the discipline part of it is saying, no, that we're going to have a new default setting. Yeah. And that back gets to number three, which is study, uh, which is, most basically Bible reading. I think it would also include uh, reading books about God, theology books. I think it would include listening to the King and Culture podcast. Uh, trying to, so this is about consuming information that sharpens the mind mm. or at least connects. Like you think about like the take care of that captive, make them obedient to Christ, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is the logic, like the discipline of study is yeah. I want to, uh, not just have warm, meaningful, familial connection with Christ, but I also want to intentionally pursue him with my mind, not just my heart. And so that's a discipline of studies, the pursuit of God with your mind. Mm, yeah. And so theology reading, podcast listening, Bible reading plans, uh, there are a lot of great ones. I think the Read Scripture app is an excellent one um, if you want to jump in on that, uh, if you want to like make a goal to read the Bible in one year. Uh, there's a variety of those that are really good. Um, I think that regular reading the Gospels and the Psalms especially should be part of virtually all Christians' uh, walk. Uh, I think reading more broadly than that is good. Um, I do a different Bible reading plan every year, varying degrees of rigor. Yeah, uh, I've done... So the, study here doesn't necessarily mean it needs to feel academic or it needs to feel intense. It no. is, a, you know, so if, if you're, you know, have a read the Bible in your plan and, and you read through it and maybe there's a verse or two that stands out to you and you spend extra time on it or whatever, but mostly you just kind of read it and reflect on it while you're reading that, that's what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. As well as if you're going, Hey, I'm going to do an in-depth Bible study with this resource and this thing and, you know, pull it apart. And like, that would also be in that same bucket. Yeah. Like if I have a friend who's going to seminary right now and I'm going to say, discipline of study, check, don't <laughs> just yeah. do your syllabuses and you'll be fine. Um, it doesn't necessarily need to be this above and beyond. But here you're not thinking like schoolwork, right? Like my kids are in high school, a couple of them, and it's like you, you, you're not saying, well, yeah, that's the spiritual discipline of study. Yeah, your math doesn't count. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah the, I, I think about this a lot as like Bible engagement. You yeah. know, it's engaging with the truths of Scripture. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, the, the point is like if, if the Bible talks about loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, yeah. the emphasis here is mind. Um. So, anyway, the next one is fellowship. This is knowing and being known. Uh, this is, like we talk about here, how we can't give you community. You have to, we can give you environments where you might make it. 
but real community requires both vulnerability and curiosity. It's vulnerability. I'm letting people know me, the real me. Curiosity, I'm getting to know other people. Yeah. Yeah, people sometimes come to our Start Here class or Rooted and kind of imagine that we have like a, you know, a bunch of cans of, you know, community we can like give you. It, it's this commodity. It's like, no, 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 we can create an environment, but you have to create it. Yeah. You can't uh, fabricate uh, fellowship, yeah. koinonia, connection. Yeah. Like that word even like in the New Testament, koinonia, is like a really intimate word. It's the same like root of the word coitus, which is like a sexual contact, like between husband and wife, you know? And so not saying that that's what needs to happen. Like, I'm not saying we only be that intimate. That, yeah, that of would course be, not. Yeah, sure. That would be an abomination, in fact. But but this is like we're really knowing and being known. Yeah. And so especially if folks have been hurt by church, this spiritual discipline is tough because it's there's risk involved. Anytime you're letting yourself be known, there's opportunity for people to hurt you. And so there's, it takes courage to practice this one, um, showing up, connecting, engaging. Uh, this is like where I think some of like our episodes in the past on like f- the different cards of friendship. Like if you think about like if there, you have five things yeah. about you, you show someone one card and if they, if it goes well, then you show them your second card. Like, uh, and you really don't need everyone to know all th- everything about you all the time. So I think that uh, fellowship is a big, yeah, a big part of that connection. A gathering community, uh, those are the those are the big ones. And nice. So, those are the four disciplines of engagement. Um, Will you read those again? Uh, yeah, service, celebration, study, and fellowship. Celebration being church attendance. So um, there's one missing. I feel like that I'm kind of stunned isn't on his list, and that's prayer. Prayer. Yeah, he would say prayer is like the axle on the wheel. They are all prayer. Hmm. Like if like you pray while you serve, you pray while you're at church, you pray while you study, you pray while you connect with others. Like, you're doing this all before the face of God, mindful of God. Um, so in, in other words, like, relating to God is prayer. Is like That's how he's thinking of it, is living a life in relationship with God. Yes, he would say all of these are types of prayers. Like, okay. they, these are all modes of prayer. What do you think of that? Like, should prayer be a fifth one? I think that prayer... Willard's stuff didn't fall from heaven. So what do you think? Yeah. Well, I think that if prayer is an afterthought, then it's an afterthought, which is not good. Um, I think that prayer uh, being the means we've been given to connect with God, uh, it being its own number on the list is probably a good a good thing. And you think about, like we've done the praying life studies with Paul Miller, um, and he does the prayer cards, like having a strategy and discipline for praying uh, on its own is probably valuable and important. Um, I think that the Praying Life book by Paul Miller is as good as it gets if people want to learn how to pray. I think there's probably enough categories for two types of prayer. There's like the Paul talks about in First Thessalonians, like pray unceasingly, mm-hmm. or pray without ceasing, which is like this quorum Deo before the face of God, being aware of God, being present to him as we go about all of our things. Yeah, and that's where I think it's the, th- there is an interesting just self-analysis you have to do there because I think there's a really great way to just go, yeah, I'm, I'm just trying to always live before the face of God. I also think I've known and experienced people who didn't really ever pray because they told themselves, well, I just pray without ceasing. I'm just praying all the time. And like praying all the time becomes a way of not really ever actually praying. Yeah. And so I think, you know, you've got to just test yourself there. And if... And I would say if, if you're a person who's more prone to not actually pray 
in the name of praying all the time, then maybe you know adding it as another discipline. Stop of attacking me right now. Like, as an, <laughs> as another discipline me? of engagement might be worth doing. Yeah, I think that's really wise. Uh, I probably for most people, myself included, prayer needs to be that fifth thing. One, because that means we have a clean list of five and five on the abstinence. <laughs> well, if Just for the, no other reason, there the, we go. The aesthetics of it are our deal. But it's, yeah, it's like if you're trying to learn a language, it's best to like focus on the language yeah, and like take a language class. And then once it's fluent, then you maybe don't need a language class. But until you're fluent in prayer, it's best to not presume on I'm going to be a praying person yeah, and to make that part of a formal discipline. So we think about those five on both sides. Uh, I, I want to highlight that like the programs and activities of the church are in that sense all opportunities to practice these spiritual disciplines. Like I think about we have a class called Bible Fluency coming up, and that would be study and fellowship kind of happening at the same time. Uh, and, and, and prayer because of, I know of how uh, that class is led. Yes. There's moments to practice and engage with prayer. Absolutely, yeah. And and But in order to study and maybe do some homework, there's probably some solitude that has to happen, yeah. right? And you'll be encouraged to practice disciplines as you go through it. So these various classes we do are largely there to give people the opportunity to learn and practice different disciplines. And so we think about the church as existing both like an organized and organic means. Um, and so if you want to practice discipline of fasting, we're probably not going to have a how to fast class, but you can just go ahead and do it. Right. Also, we're going to have other classes where there are opportunities to practice explicit disciplines like study or fellowship or going through the rooted class, things like that. And so um, my, my main encouragement that I just feel like I need to beat this drum all the time on spiritual disciplines is that spiritual disciplines don't save you but they can form you. Mm. And so if you're doing this because you're trying to make up a gap in how much you think God loves you, you got to repent of that. But being afraid of legalism so you end up doing nothing is a great way to just be tossed to and fro by the wind's way of the world because the disciplines and structures of the age are going to disciple you into a nice little secular humanist American citizen, and they're not going to form you into a citizen of the kingdom of God. And so... The world is giving you habits and practices that make you and build you, and we need to, on purpose, make habits and practices that build us into the type of person God is calling us to be. Well, and it makes me think of something we've talked about before, which is Andy Crouch's mm-hmm. distinction between technology and uh, what's the other what's what's he call it? I don't know. I just think of the the picture of musicians. Yeah, yeah. like like you have to think about spiritual disciplines less like pressing play on Spotify and more like learning an instrument. And if you're learning an instrument, you're learning to play the music, you're going to fail and you're going to struggle, but you're going to keep moving. You're going to keep advancing. And that's how growth happens and that's how we change. And I love that idea that that, that these disciplines can't save you, but they will form you. And uh, yeah, I think it's really worth pursuing in this new year. So uh, Seth, thanks for uh, thanks for these. We'll get to work on uh, making sure we can, next time we do this, start all of these with the letter S. So chat yeah. GPT will be our friend there. Um, but uh, <laughs> But seriously, thank you for for uh, leading us in this way. And for those of you listening, um, if there's things that you're practicing and trying, man, we'd love to hear about it. If there's uh, places where you're going like, Hey, I, I started with this, but it didn't go great. And I need some help. Or you want some resources on you know what to study or what to do. Like, man, we'd love to hear from you on that. Um, this really is a resource for our church and for our church family. And so if there's stuff with this, we can help in the new year. We definitely want to do that. So uh, thanks for listening and uh, we'll see you next time. Hey.